Blog Talk Radio. Hello, this is Call Talk for Wednesday, April 28th. Our topic today is agent burnout, what's a manager to do, tips and tales. During the call, we invite you to ask questions via email at calltalk at benchmarkportal.com or chat if you're logged into calltalk.tv or call and ask the host your questions and interact with the show. The number to call in is 347 857 3117. Everyone who asks a question on the show via email or phone will receive a free copy of Bruce's book, Benchmarking at Its Best, and one push person will be chosen at random to win an in-depth reality check valued at $1,500. And now I'd like to introduce the host of Call Talk, Bruce Belfiore. Thanks very much, Sean, and uh, welcome everyone back to Call Talk. Our listeners, uh, as always, chose today's topic. And today we're talking about agent burnout, uh, what's a manager to do, a very, very important topic for a lot of us who have to deal with uh, the human side of our call center on a daily basis. And my guest today is Drew Phelps, uh, who has been on the show before, is always a delight, uh, someone with really tons of experience in every aspect of call center uh, industry management. She's a Purdue graduate, a co-author of the uh, book Call Center Audit A to Z, and uh, Drew is joining us today, actually, from Mexico, where I think he's definitely not suffering from burnout, maybe sunburn, but not burnout. Uh, actually, she's down there uh, with one of uh, uh, clients visiting a call center today. How are you doing today, Drew? Um, muy buen, amigo. Thank you very much for inviting me back. I'm always good to share ideas on burnout and ready to... Uh, Practice my Spanish and give worldwide information. Thanks. Okay. Well, I'll lay there, lady. <laughs> that sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, please have a couple of uh, tequilas on me. Uh, in fact, maybe that should be our, our first recommendation to avoid agent burnout, right? Uh, call center during the day, and what do we do at night? There we Margarita. go. I think that's great. <laughs> we do we do have our celebration. So uh, the agents, it's, it's interesting. The agents have their own cultures. I see that throughout the United States. Every call center has their own culture, and there's a lot to talk about this uh, this half an hour about that fit. Well, in fact, it's a, it's an important topic. It is very much uh, you know dependent on the culture and the people in the call centers. It's certainly one that you and I are both passionate about because. Ultimately, the agent burnout uh, thing, which is symptomatic, has an impact on uh, people's lives, and uh, it has a huge ripple effect to the whole center. Uh, In fact, one statistical proxy for burnout is agent turnover. Uh, Our database indicates that uh, the average turnover for call centers in the Purdue database is 21.15%. That's actually down due to the economy. And uh, we, we do see pathological turnover rates of over 60% and even over 100% in uh, some cases. Um, but anyway, we'll, uh, we'll get on and, and talk about some of the, the, the tips and tales of people who have to confront this on a, on a daily basis. Uh, in fact, let, let's talk for one more second about metrics. Uh, Drew, when you're, we're looking at our, our benchmarking reports, what metrics can we look at to get an early warning on burnout in our center? Well, I'm very glad you share that statistic, and 21% turnover is pretty phenomenal, and a lot of people are are hanging their hat on that, but it's easily another 40% of the people inside the company that are just saying, 
I don't know if I love work. I like work, but I don't know if I'm in love with work. So one of the first signals I look for, and you might want to take notes on this audience, is your adherence to schedule. People start getting a little bit more lax at their work if it just becomes a job. And you really want to give excellento service. (laughs) So look for adherence to schedule. And if there's any early warning flags that people are just not being as respectful and responsive to um, their occupancy levels and their service levels. The second one to look for as an metric is their quality scores. Little things start to slip, like their attitude or their communication or their willingness. Uh, You can hear that in their tone and in their pace. Because you know a call center, they're taking about 60 calls a day. Well, guess what? That's impacting 1,200 customers every month. So you need to keep that one agent away from burnout. Um, The third thing I see on scores is, as I'm visiting this center, actually, is they compete with their peers. They have little contests. They have things that are going on. And sometimes in centers that are not really tuned to this, people just don't want to compete. I'm here to do my job. That is true burnout. Adherence, quality, and little contests inside your company. If people are not participating, they're suffering that sunburn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, great inputs. And, uh, and don't you find also that burnout can be due to different things in different situations? Like uh, but I have what I call the, the four uh, rhyming things, which are wrong person, pong person, long person, and gone person. And, and the, for the wrong person, we're talking about uh, just a bad fit between the agent and the call center. So a big reason for the burnout is that you really didn't get the right person through the door to begin with, uh, and you didn't uh, take the effort to uh, take a profile of those people who thrive in your center, who do well in your center, and then drive that profile of the person back to the recruiting stage. Uh, Do you want to comment on that a little bit, uh, Drew? Well, actually, excuse me, in recruiting, um, let me get to my extra note here. In the recruiting stage, there's many things to look at. First of all, I had one company that uh, uh, very nicely, they're one of our centers of excellence, they looked at their brand. Their culture had to have an excellent fit with their brand of a call center. Some are very tight, want you to sit in your chair all the time, answer the calls, very more linear in their approach. Other brands are come join the family, we have parties, we're very welcoming. You really have to, if you're looking for hiring the right agent and a good fit, make sure they're going to match your culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, need some more ideas? Are there any other calls coming in? I got two more ideas if you're ready. Or, well, you know, I think that one of the things too is that we can sometimes have the wrong person in there, so we don't screen properly. And then I have what I call the pong person, which is uh, somebody who feels that they're just being batted around all the time. They feel like a ping pong ball, and uh, you know, in those cases, yeah. you have to look to what it is that's causing that. Is it because there really is an overload? of uh, calls coming in, uh, too many calls, no after-call work time. I mean, uh, I remember being in one center, Drew, and you've probably seen this too, where the mm-hmm. center had reported no after-call work time. And I thought, well, that's wonderful. That means that their uh, knowledge management system and their CRM system, everything is good enough so that uh, their people can do everything they need to do on, on the call. They don't need any after-call work time. I sat next mm-hmm. to a few agents, and I started hearing, um, the following. I start hearing, uh, could you please hold while I finish up the record on the previous call? <laughs> okay. And, and it, wow. effectively, in that center, 
people were just being bombarded with uh, calls one after the other. And they, in fact, didn't have good systems. They didn't have good technology for knowledge management, et cetera. So uh, what, what I think I'm saying here is that oftentimes burnout can be a symptom of other things that are wrong in the center, including uh, technology, including some bad choices by management. In other words, in that case, A, there should have been time for after-call work time, and uh, it can be perhaps uh, predetermined or something where the agent puts there's a button and puts themselves uh, ready again and in and out of uh, after-call work time. Uh, or it could be, and in this case it was, there were too many uh, screens that you had to uh, go among. And so actually the number of uh, desktop applications kind of was very frustrating and therefore caused a lot of agent burnout. Um, Drew, why don't you go on with one of your other points? You know, that's very much true, especially in that hiring mode. I'll stay with my theme on hiring because if you're training people and talking to people and even testing people on how they can manage the technology, you need to give them a realistic and an honest-to-goodness job preview of what their seat is going to look like every day. Mm-hmm. So if you have a candidate coming in, you might say, here's a video of our, of our call center. So you see what the location looks like, what your cubicle looks like, et cetera. Here are some screens. You can privacy protect all that information, of course, because they're just candidates at that time. But, you know, you want to show people, here's the kind of navigation skills that we look at. Now, I've been in a call center that has two screens up, and you have four navigations on each one of them. So that poor agent had to look at eight different sources of knowledge to answer one call. I'm sure there's a lot of people that would get burned out pretty quickly with eight screens to look at. Mm-hmm. So... Um, Give them a real job preview of what your job's going to look like. Because some people love, I mean, age demographics is another one about burnout. Younger audience, they love to talk and type. They know about texting. They know about doing multi-skilling. But, you know, if, if you have a job preview and you're going to t- start to look at reducing the burnout, there's a certain culture, certain fit that you want to match to that with your good job preview to say, look, I don't want to burn everybody out. This demographic is good for doing that kind of work. The other may not. We don't want to burn everybody out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, good points, good points. Uh, and I think the ones that we oftentimes sort of take for granted, we don't actually analyze them. But if you uh, dig in, then you can find that the symptom actually leads you to things that you need to change in terms of your screening, in terms of your training, in terms of your technology. And it will actually give you the ammunition you need if you do a financial analysis uh, to say, okay, you know what, I can probably reduce my turnover by X and I can increase my productivity as seen through uh, metrics like adherence and quality, et cetera, if I can have something. It might be a uh, better screen navigation system, could be a better knowledge management system, but it's a great way of saying, you know, I, I need something and uh, Mr. Manager, Senior Manager, I'll be able to improve my metrics and improve the productivity uh, through these other metrics, that you'll be able to measure actually through these other metrics. So uh, you know, I, I, just to finish up with those, uh, you know, wrong, pong, long, and gone, the, the long person right. one is uh, it, situations that I think a lot of us probably on the phone have to deal with, which are the people who've been there quite a while. Uh, they're starting to uh, lose the fire in the belly, and there you can see that you know from last year to this year the performance just isn't as good, and so here we need to have strategies for restoking them. 
uh, and uh, not always an easy thing to do, uh, because, but it's worth trying. It's worth talking to them, worth mentoring them, uh, and it's worth trying to find out those things that will inject some more uh, fire into their belly again, either through uh, rewards programs, through having more fun in the call center, whatever it happens to be. Do you have any thoughts on that, uh, Drew? Well, sure. I mean, I'm looking at your Pong person you were talking about. When people are bounced around to a lot of different things, they don't like change. You really have to be a little bit more amenable to that. So one of the big action items I would tell every supervisor on the phone right now, really pay attention to listening when you have your one-on-one meetings. You need to find out what kind of style this person is. If you got the wrong person, you know, really, really analyze that and look at the cost justification of keeping those people on staff. The Pong, put them in the right place. Maybe they love to do the multitasking like emailing and all the other stuff. Let their burnout, you know, be a little bit more open rather than just at a cube with a headset on. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you want the person that's going to be longevity and run the long, you know, yards and so forth. Um, so they're not leaving you unless we, uh, you know, have that need or so forth. Um, I like the four ways you put that. I really do. I, I do have one idea. Uh, Sean, do we have any callers coming in yet? Um, uh, yeah, we have a couple questions. Uh, Bruce, oh, good. I'll hold that. Uh, can you monitor your chat, please? Yes. Okay. Uh, well, yeah. um, so uh, the first question comes in from David. Uh, how can I support agent development in early years for success and retention? Mm, okay, Drew. What about that one? Oh, can I raise my hand? Absolutely. We just did a little study on that, which was quite, quite interesting. There's, if you see turnover, uh, oh golly, in the first nine, 90 days or so forth, you've hired them wrong. You know, so really take a look at some of those things we talked about, like job preview and good fit, et cetera, and not getting the wrong uh, selection. But in the first year, one or two or three years, that's when the burnout starts to occur. The job may be routine, but there's ways that you can do some things. And I'm going to give you three steps. Number one, connection. People love, love, love to feel connected to their product, their service, their homegrown, their supervision, their teammates. They want to feel connected to the people. That will reduce your stress and burnout. You know, when there's, when there's calls coming in and calls in queue and calls being routed, you know, you might want to just, you know, have some of that extra breathe time and extra rah-rah, you know, that you can promote connecting. We're all in this together. Let's get through it. The second tip is contribute. Each one of your agents would love to contribute new ideas or would love to tell you, here's an issue. Please help me through knowledge management. I'm stuck, rather than just sitting with it stressfully mind, you know, in their own mind. So I have connection, contribution. The third one is, probably around the third year, they really want to be part of an innovation team. I've got, you know, um, what do we call it, the um, uh, SWAT teams or the, uh, you know, the, the best of breed teams. They're talking about innovation for really, really energizing your call center. Now, that can bring new life rather than the other side of the coin, which is burnout. Connection, contribution, and innovation will help you in those first years. Mm-hmm. Okay, great, great, great. Uh, John, I think you have another question there as well. Uh, this question comes from John. What questions could I ask during an interview to make sure someone meets your culture? Mm-hmm. Okay, I, I, I'll pick that up, and then, uh, Drew, why don't you chime okay. in? I think uh, the first thing to do is to make sure you understand what your culture is. 
if you've been able to actually articulate what the culture is, then you'll be in a better position to ask questions about whether somebody can uh, fit into the culture or not. Okay, if you're in, for instance, a, uh, a, a call center that does collections, okay, that is going to require somebody who has very persuasive, uh, sales-oriented uh, personality. The same thing is true for a sales call center. For a, somebody in an inbound customer service call center, you're going to want to look for those characteristics that um, uh, point toward a personality that wants to serve, that really is, uh, gets a kick out of making a, a, a customer happy and having a good, successful call. So the questions that you ask, and in fact here, uh, if I could just take one step back, uh, David, I think was the name here. Um, before you get to the stage of the interview, be sure and do the screen. And here there's some really good screening products uh, where they answer questions and uh, set up word associations that can tell you a lot about the person in terms of their personality and whether they'll fit into the kind of call center that you have. And uh, if you actually look at the word associations used in those uh, that, that have to do with, I like to, for instance, uh, work with groups of people. I like to solve problems. I like to do uh, a number of things at the same time. Uh, that you'll oftentimes get the questions that you need for the interview stage, which comes afterwards, and which hopefully will confirm uh, whatever the screen to told you. But since the screens won't always be 100% accurate, they will help you. Uh, hopefully that will, um, will help you out on that. Drew, do you have further thoughts? Uh, yeah, exactly. For the, for the interview area, it's good to listen more than you talk. Um, in observation, I see a lot of the times we like to really, really give them an overload of information about the call center, but really see that their style and listen to where they've had some, some basic answers. For example, what was the greatest, one question might be, what's the greatest value of time you contributed to service? because a lot of companies say we want somebody who's been in the customer service mode. So a greater value or a greatest uh, contribution or a question of that nature is very open-ended, number one. Number two, it can give you an insight to see if that's going to fit with what, you, what your call types are. Call types are pretty uh, much the, um, the end result here, because if you have, again, like you're saying, a very financial structured one, you need to have someone who's more structured in those answered. So another one, is there anything that surprised you about our interviews today? I saw that on one person's interviewing scale, and I said, I love that question, because you're getting an insight from that person about, yeah, I didn't know that you had to sit in a chair for seven and a half hours a day, and I didn't know you had all these heavy quality scores. You know, you get scored and recorded, and, you know, they just, I just came here for the benefits. For a part-time job. No, that's a real early warning signal that you're going to have an agent that's burned out or turned out on you. Right. Okay, so, that's a great two good qu Two questions. Yeah, no, that's great. And I think another question you might ask is, what did you enjoy most about your previous job and what did you enjoy least about your previous job? And oftentimes you'll get uh, admissions uh, that you can interpret and utilize in terms of what, uh, you know, whether they will, in fact, fit into the needs and culture of your call center. Okay, Sean, do you have another one for us? 
yes. Uh, this uh, question just came from a guest. Um, he asked, uh, or the person asked, how many skills do you recommend for a multi-skill agent? Mm-hmm. I have a rule of three. <laughs> and it's an own personal rule that um, there was one call center that uh, actually it's AAA. And in AAA, you look at that, they have dispatch. That's a call type. They sell insurance, of course, for your automobile. That's another call type. And number three is they plan travel for you. Well, those are really three different distinguishing skills. Uh, In looking at their diversification, they said, you know what? If you learn and earn, in other words, learn the new skill, you can earn your way into taking on a second skill set. Maybe taking on a third skill set. And so based on that, uh, three was our magic answer in doing those projects. I think that if you um, um, divert any more than that, it, you know, it, it may, um, uh, may have a disadvantage or may cause people, unless they have a you know, very multitasking mind. Bruce, what's your uh, opinion on that or story? You know, the, the question itself is uh, a good one because it, it actually uh, sort of has behind it the idea that one way to prevent burnout is to give people a variety of things to do. And uh, that is oftentimes true. In other words, if you can have people uh, advance through skills, give them more skills, uh, and have them do more things, then they could be, if they're a certain kind of person, uh, more likely to stay and not burn out because they're able to try different things. So here again, you have to uh, understand who it is that you have in front of you. In some cases, people will find that stressful and will, in fact, burn out faster. So uh, if you have the right kind of uh, workforce management and the right kind of uh, call routing system, you can actually personalize to uh, the uh, agents that you have so that that agent who feels more comfortable with one skill set, sticking to it, doing it well uh, over and over again, then uh, that's fine. Let them do that. For the person who wants to have more skills and uh, Uh, help out in in various different areas, have a routing system uh, that allows them to get calls in a number of different areas. And uh, keep in mind, too, that we do want to encourage it both for reasons of avoiding burnout, which has its high cost in terms of cost of turnover, uh, and, and also in terms of workforce management, because if we have more people able to do more different things and handle different kinds of calls, it gives us more flexibility in terms of uh, the, the call routing and the call handling side of things. Uh, let me toss it back to you again, Drew, if you have any further thoughts on that. Just uh, to tag is don't believe that everybody can be the universal agent. You know, there is no magic number here. My own personal one was about two or three different set, set, skill sets. But quite frankly, the universal agent, agent to do calls, inbound, outbound, email, fax, Skype, uh, there's just too many for people to handle unless they raise their hand and you can test them on that performance. Right, right. That's the key, absolutely key. And there's some centers that, in fact, uh, want to encourage this to give them more flexibility to reduce uh, burnout and uh, provide uh, a financial incentive. You get a higher pay, a slightly higher pay, if you're able to handle more different kinds of calls. And that also encourages them to uh, become more skilled and to pass the test, as Bruce said, the necessary to do that. Okay, great. Uh, Sean, you've got another call coming? Uh, yes. Uh, Mike asked, 
Has there been any studies regarding whether job or duty rotation can ease burnout? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, kind of similar, kind of similar to what we just answered here about rotations and so forth. I like to put them in blocks if there is some kind of a job rotation. When the call volume's low, have them do things like training or even, you know, developing new training ideas. Um, you know, so there can be even in a 40-hour work week, if an agent is given one hour to do something to do skill development or you know that kind of a rotation. Um, Bruce, what are your thoughts on that? Because it is the multitasking. It is the multitasking, and I can't put my finger on a specific study. It's more experiential. And I'd say that uh, what you find is that the number of people who really just want to do one thing, stick to it, and do nothing else is pretty low. I mean, you're talking about at most 10% of uh, your force, whereas most people do want to have variety in their life and do want to have uh, different things that they can do. And uh, so in that case, as long as the training is good enough, okay, so that they're really doing everything at a a top level for the client, then uh, it would be a good thing to do. If, um, yeah, if you give your uh, information to Sean, uh, we may in fact try to do some research on that. So uh, who who was the uh, questioner in that case, Sean? Um, All I know is uh, he put his name down as Mike. So, Mike, if you send an email to calltalk at benchmarkportal.com, uh, we can uh, maybe go further into your question. Yeah, maybe we could uh, do a one-minute survey, which could be the beginning point of uh, some more research on that, on that area. So thank you very much for that one. Good. Okay. Um, you know, another area that we, I think, need to deal with, too, are, are the irate callers and uncooperative customers type of situation uh, because they can be the source of burnout uh, for a lot of people in a lot of centers. So you may be going along pretty well and you've got, uh, you know, a majority of customers who are normal, rational people that you actually can be proud of how you took care of them. Then there's some of these irate callers that ruin your day. And how do you deal with your agents when, in fact, a good agent is having to deal with perhaps just a few irate callers, but which are really sort of ruining the psyche for them. Uh, and, and that's one where I think if we have some advice to give them, uh, Drew, that uh, that would be a, a good one. And here my feeling is that uh, a lot has to do with the mentoring relationship that supervisors have with agents and being supportive of uh, people in those situations. Um, I think that the, the characteristics that we're, we're looking for are well-trained supervisors and managers because under-trained supervisors and managers are really the bane of so many call centers uh, where they're not knowledgeable enough, so they're not able to give the agents information they need to do the good job with the customers. Um, and, and maybe they don't have the managerial skills or haven't been taught the managerial skills, which would lead them to be more supportive and uh, sort of more to more proactive, uh, um, you know, uh, champions for their agents. I mean, it's sort of like a prize fighter. Uh, if you really get beat up <laughs> during the round, at the end of the round, you go to your corner and you've got somebody to, you know, uh, buck you up, to help you out, to, to tell you that, you know, you can do a good job. And in, in the case of a call center supervisor, in some cases, say, take five minutes off, take 15 minutes off, you know, have a cup of coffee, uh, do something like that. 
so that you can, in fact, uh, get your feet back under you and your psyche back in shape. Uh, Drew, you want to uh, comment on that at all? I just gathered one piece of uh, information here about those irate callers that came on an agent satisfaction study that we do uh, as part of our, you know, I'm feet on the street, I'm out there visiting the call centers each, each month. Um, we do an agent satisfaction study, so this may be of interest to you as well. It uh, said we have enough people for the workload we handle as a department, and it is a survey. We ask about 60 questions to the agents. That agent rated that as, nope, 20% agree with that statement. We do not have enough people. So I dug a little further with this questionnaire, and I said, well, what do you mean about not enough people? She says, the first time that I get to a call, people have to wait 60, 70, 80 seconds. They're saying, it's about time you got to my call. Now, if mm -hmm. you hear that 60 times a day, you're going to be burned out. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, there again, giving that information to routing appropriately, getting more people on staff, et cetera. The tool that I'm talking about is an agent SAT study, and it gives you the insight again. I'm just going to read you three or four statements off of what this study ca captures. Because as my closing remark is, that agent, if he feels a sense that he belongs to your company, he's going to stay, she's going to make a contribution, she's going to have innovation for you and be a good, uh, active agent. Here's some mm -hmm. comments we quiz them on. My leaders' actions are consistent with their words. I feel my personal growth is encouraged here. When issues are raised, they're followed up on. Creative thinking. Um, I enjoy the work I do most days. The leadership vision is clearly communicated. This is what we rate when we go do an agent satisfaction study. It gives us insight to burnout or to those that are going to be excellent. So another tool, another survey that we... Uh, have in our little toolkit as a resource. And that's my final comment because I love to use that. Okay. No, that's great. That's great. Uh, Sean, do we have one more? Do we have time for one more? Yeah, we have time for one more. <clears throat> um, Tim's question is, as a new manager who has inherited a burned-out team, how do you quickly motivate the group to turn performance attitudes around? <laughs> okay. Tim, uh, margaritas. <laughs> I okay. thought the same thing, Bruce. <laughs> yeah, this is a, a big, this is actually your biggest challenge, a huge challenge, but also a real opportunity to uh, prove yourself as a manager. Not easy, but uh, really what you can do by finding out through, for instance, the tool that Drew was just talking about, if you have that tool utilized, you come up with so many good things that you can do at a low cost that all of a sudden people start opening their eyes and saying, you know, Tim came in and things started to change. That's what you want, Tim. You want people to say, Tim came in and he started to understand us. He started to change things. And uh, we went into one situation last summer in which things were going way downhill, and we found out that uh, there's there a number of things. People wanted an ice maker in the, uh, the, the uh, sandwich room. They wanted uh, a couple of other things that didn't cost a lot of money, but which the manager came through on, and all of a sudden they said, hmm, somebody's listening to us. The other thing is that the manager started to stay near the front door every morning when people came in and greet everybody by name. Well, when we did the, wow. the uh, agent chat thing later on, uh, people were blown away by that. So uh, there's, if you take the personal touch, get to know the people. Tell your supervisors that they need to know the people and they need to be able to motivate them. 
give them a couple of tangible things that you can actually show them as a win and which came from the agent satisfaction survey itself, then you can say to them, thank you for that input. Uh, we've made this change and, uh, you know, we're, we're looking for, you know, better and better atmosphere and relationships going forward. Uh, I'll stop there. And, and, Drew, do you have something more you wanted to add? I, I think we've really hit on a lot of different tools. Hope you took some good notes today. And don't forget, do not suffer burnout yourself, managers. Mm, Siesta. Good point. <laughs> Siesta. Good point. Thank you. Excellent. Okay. Listen, thanks, everybody, for being with us. Drew, it's always a delight to, uh, to talk with you and be with you. And, uh, Sean, over to you at this point. Thanks to everybody for joining us. I want to thank our co-host, uh, Drew Phelps, for all her great insights in today's show. I want to thank all the participants um, for all their great questions. Those that we did not get to, we will answer uh, through email. Um, everyone who did ask questions via chat, uh, please send me your contact information to calltalk at benchmarkportal.com, and we'll make sure you get a copy of your free book. Um, don't forget to you can sign up for our reality check to see how um, your agent satisfaction compares to others in your industry. And our winner today of the in-depth reality check is John. Uh, John, you asked a question via email. Can you resend your email to us so we have your uh, contact details? Um, the topic for our next call talk show in uh, two weeks is um, – sorry, I'm just trying to grab it. On May 12th, it's adherence, the problems, the policies, and the best practices. Thank you very much for attending our show today, and have a great day. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.